Hello, you're listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast. Whether you're at work, driving in your car, or getting your workout on, we hope and pray that what you hear today will fill your spirit. Come, join us as we walk through God's Word together. We talk about from the prison to the palace. Joseph made it. And then we say like the song, won't he do it? We get that preaching line at the end and said, God can do it. And it goes something like, hey, you know, just continue to trust God. He can turn your prison into a palace. Yes, he can. But you've got to see that he was doing far more than moving Joseph from prison, um, being put there unjustly into a palace. He was doing so much more. It was far bigger than Joseph, although Joseph was a piece in God's plan. Remember, we talk about the life of Joseph, but this is really the story of God protecting and preserving his people as he was working to bring about the nation of Israel, and then he was working to bring about his Messiah through that nation, and he was working to bring all of us after that together in him. But part of that plan was a guy named Joseph who was part of a family of a guy named Jacob who was descendant of a guy named Isaac that was a promised child given to a guy named Abraham that God made a promise to over all. You see, the story of God will happen. God makes sure. But in this episode, we are going to look at God's greater purpose in both reunion and reconciliation. Because what God was doing in preserving this family by sending, and I said sending, yes, he worked in spite of the messy sin of others, but he sent Joseph ahead so that he would be prepared to be a part of God's saving plan for the family that would become the nation of Israel. And so he sent him ahead. And in sending them ahead, he both changed Joseph and prepared the way of salvation. I love that. He changed Joseph and prepared the way of salvation. And he was working to reunite and reconcile this fractured mess of a family that we've read about and we've heard about for several Sundays. That this family, if we look at it, was the definition of dysfunction. If you were to put up a dictionary and say dysfunction, you could put this family's picture there. And yet what we see God doing that's great, and we'll see it today, is how he can reunite and reconcile in whatever mess is created because of our sin, because that's God. And we're going to see that today. I'm going to read different scriptures throughout chapter 42 that point to that. But the bottom line is, 
God has the power to reunite and reconcile the biggest mess so that he brings about his plan in and through your life. So let's pray. Father, thank you that we have this opportunity again to hear your word. And I pray, God, that as we hear and as we listen, we would perceive what you were saying to us. And as we understand what you are saying, I pray, Father, that we would respond obediently. Lord, I pray that we would move in the direction that you are leading and pointing and that we would grow up in and through this as you are ministering to us. So, Father, I pray that you would help us to set aside all those distractions. I pray that you would help us, O oh God, to pay attention and to focus and would hear what you were saying, see where you were leading, know what you are giving. In Christ's name, amen. Now, you have to understand the time frame here. I'm going to start at chapter, two, I mean, chapter 41. I'm just going to read verse 53 says, The seven years of plenty that occurred in the land of Egypt came to an end, and the seven years of famine began to come, as Joseph had said. Stop there for a second. We know that from last week's message, Joseph was 30. When he rose to power in Egypt, he was 17 when he was sold into slavery. And so then seven years of plenty has passed by. 13 years of hardship. Really, I would say 13 years of preparation through hardship. My brother Brandon said it best that sometimes the best teacher is the gem of suffering. We don't have a problem with it, humanly speaking, in our world. When you get to the gym, we have phrases like no, no gain, right? No pain, no gain. But we think our Christianity is going to be no pain, I'm fine, God. I don't need it. I'll grow without it. And so we know he put Joseph in the school, in the gym of suffering, and Joseph, we're going to see, came out changed. Like that person who spent years in the gym eating well and doing well, and you haven't seen them in years, and come out and be like, wow, like you look like a whole new person. Muscles all shaped and toned, and you done swole to another size, and you got to change, and you all like. And so we, we marvel at that. That was Joseph as he came out of God's gym of that time of suffering for 13 years. And then the years of plenty, so it was riding the high. I like this. Joseph knew what to expect. See, he had 13 years of not knowing what to expect. He didn't know where God was going to lead. But those next seven, he knew. He, he, he interpreted Pharaoh's dream. You're going to have seven years of plenty, and then after that, you're going to have seven years of famine. See, he understood and believed God's word. 
I got somebody here today, you're still trying to figure out if God's word is actually going to do what it says. Let me help you out. Joseph understood it clearly. He knew, I got seven years of riding high and I'm going to prepare for it. What is God's word saying to you that you're not paying attention to? I'm not talking about Joseph and famine. I'm talking about Joseph believed what God was showing and thus he prepared based on what God shared. How about you? What has God shared in his word to you that you are discounting? He's given you prep time, but you're not preparing. Or maybe you are. Maybe he is giving you time through his word. He's showing you stuff in his word, and he's telling you, and I'm talking to myself as well, to prepare, and when that time comes, you're not going to be caught off guard. So Joseph knew seven years of riding high, and so now, that's 20 years has passed. Joseph is right about 37 now. And he has done what he said he would do but because of what God shared. Put it all the way, and, and, and now the seven years of famine comes. Also remember, Joseph had not seen his family now for 20 years. I just want you all to let that sit. Thirteen of them was, was unjust hardship by the hands or at the hands of his family. And for most of us, that would have been 13 years for seething in anger about how we were done wrong. But what we'll see from Joseph is a different guy came out that was able to handle what God was about to do. See, when you lean into God, he prepares you for what's next. And when you lean away from God, you are unprepared for what comes next. See, notice I didn't say it wasn't going to come because you didn't lean in. Life is going to happen regardless of whether you lean into God or not. See, we don't know what's coming down the pike at all. We don't know what's happening. We don't know what's next. God does, and he works to prepare us. He prepares us through our hardships. He prepares us through our times of plenty. He prepares us through our time in the word and our devotion, our time in prayer, our time in fellowship. But when we walk away from that, whatever is coming is coming. You just may not be prepared. And I want us to look at two different people, Joseph and his brothers. And we're going to see that. And so this whole thing of reunite, in order for them to be reunited and reconciled, certain things had to happen. So let's read. Chapter 42, verse 1, when Jacob learned that there was grain for sale in Egypt, he said to his sons, why do you look at one another? 
And he said, Behold, I have heard that there is grain for sale in Egypt. Go down and buy grain for us that we may live and not die. I read this, and when I read this repeatedly, I had to laugh because I love what his father said. He says what we would say, Why y'all standing there looking at each other? Because they were standing around, famine got worse, things were getting bad, and they're standing there looking at each other. What are we going to do? Man, we, we, we ain't got no food. And his father's like, why y'all standing there looking at one another? Like, 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 go do something. You don't see what to do? Uh, uh, I see, because that's the word that he says. Now, I, learned, I see. Now, understand, Jacob's eyesight was failing physically at this time. And that he saw more than his sons who could see and who should see. And so he says to them, go down and you don't see what you need to? Let's see. Famine is bad. We're running out of food. They're selling food in Egypt. We got the money to go buy it. What y'all think we should do? You see how dull they are? Let's compare that to their brother who has gone through the fire of suffering, 13 years of unjust hardship. And look what he did. He planned and prepared for not only his nation but others that they would have food when it came. Why? Because you had one guy that leaned into God during his suffering period and you had a whole group of guys that totally disregarded and lived apart from God. Famine came to both of them. Who was prepared? One who leaned into God. See, there is stuff that's coming and that's happening. And you could be sitting right next to a person who will be either better prepared or worse prepared than you based on their choice to follow Christ. And God is telling you and I right now how you're going to handle it when it comes. See, Joseph was prepared. I love that. And he was in a position, and he didn't even realize it, to help his brothers. I don't know if he thought he'd ever see them again. So in order to be reconciled, God had, God had to reunite them. Joseph wasn't looking for his brothers to reunite with. He was now enjoying being second in command under Pharaoh. Ruling everything. Remember, he went from the prison to the palace. Hooked up. Living life well, but still helping others to prepare for what was coming. And so now that, that God brought them together because the famine wasn't just in Egypt. It went into the land of promise. I love this. It went into Canaan. It went into where God had promised, I mean, where he brought them, where God had promised. We think just because God promised it, I'm not going to have any problems. Everything is going to be good. God is like, wake up. You live in a fallen and sinful world. Just because I made some promises to you doesn't mean you are not going to experience hard times. We need to stop as Christians getting mad when it gets hard. We see sin and we start complaining. Oh, they're sinning. Of course they are. We live in a sinful world. Why are you tripping? 
What God is telling us instead is, are you prepared to handle what you're facing? I'm going to tell you now. Don't think you're going to do like many of us did in school. I know some of y'all were wonderfully studious. You were disciplined, and please stay that way. I was that crammer, and boy, I paid for it sometimes. Cramming doesn't work. Not fully. Because even if you pass and you get it, you put, it, you put an unnecessary toll on your body to do it. Do it long enough, it will take its toll. Why not prepare along the way? Why not spend time before the Lord reading his word and going, man, God, I'm just going to change gradually. No, I don't like what's going on. No, I don't like what you've got me in. I, I really, I don't. It, it hurts, but I'm not letting go of you. I've had to say that to the Lord. I've had to say, God, I, 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 you know what? If, I've said, God, if I didn't have your word, I would wonder if you'd love me. I've said that. If I didn't know your character, I would be concerned about who you were. You seem evil that you're letting this happen. That's my little twisted thinking. But I realize from his word that he's perfect, that he knows all, that he's all loving, and so, and he's in control, and I go, it's not because you don't love me, you don't know what's going on, or you can't handle it. It's not that. And so, since you created me and I didn't create you, I think I'm going to hang on and trust you. And I'm going to allow myself to be prepared to keep growing and keep moving. And so this forced reuniting, God was bringing through the famine in the land of promise, he was bringing them together, and he was taking them down to the same place Joseph had to go down to. See, Joseph had already experienced humility of going down. He had to because that was the preparation for him to be able to handle how God was going to cause him to rise. His brothers hadn't gone down yet. You see, it is the specific use of the word. His father tells him to go down. The narrator is writing that his father said go down, but the going down was both physically to go to where Egypt was, but also it was that humility that they had to place that they had not had. These were ten arrogant brothers that thought that they had it made. Remember, these were the ones who sold their brother for a pretty good amount of money. And now all that money and no food. All that career success and no peace. All that education. And I don't know where to go. See, the issue becomes you can attain and acquire everything here. And the situation in life can be such that none of that helps you. And so he has all this, all of it. And so now God forces and brings them together. They have to go down. And Joseph's dream is about to come true. 
So there had to be a reuniting. God forced it. <clears throat> and there are times that God will cause situations in your life to both reunite you with him and to reunite with other people that he wants you to reconcile with. And you may not want it nor like it, but God is ordaining it. And I go, are you going to fight it or are you going to roll with it? Next thing that they had to do is Joseph's brothers had to change because he changed. And so Joseph's family had not changed. Verse 3, so 10 of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain in Egypt, but Jacob did not send Benjamin, Joseph's brother, with his brothers, for he feared that harm might happen to him. I have to stop there. I go, wow, he feared that harm might happen to him, but he's sending them. Does it sound familiar? Remember, Benjamin was Joseph's full brother. They had the same mom and dad. The other 10 had the same dad, but different mom. And so Benjamin was Joseph's full brother, and Benjamin was also the other son. Jacob thought his last son from Rachel because he thought Joseph was dead. And so because of that, he loved, uh, he loved Rachel and the children he had with Rachel more than the children he had with Leah. We know that dysfunction, and nothing has changed. He's saying, y'all go and get bread and food for us. He's staying here because I'm still operating in that same sphere of favoritism, and I like him and not you as much. And all that dysfunction, Jacob had not changed. And neither had his brothers. And we'll see that in a moment. And so Jacob was like, I'm not sending him because I don't trust y'all. Last time I sent the one I loved more than you to you, he didn't come back. I don't trust him with you. Go. And in essence, whatever happened to y'all happens. Just bring back some food. I'm like, wow. They got to be like, this man never changes. And I'll say to them, neither have y'all. And so they go on the journey. They go down. Verse 5, thus the sons of Israel came to buy among the others who came for the famine was in the land of Canaan. So you had a long line, and it says, now Joseph was governor over the land. So here we are. <clears throat> Jacob and his family are in a position that they could die. And, 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 and now they go down to where the brothers, you got to see this picture. They have to go down to where their brother went down, and they knew it, and where they thought he died there. But he didn't die there. He was being prepared there and is now on top. And here you come going down because God needs you to do that too. God needed his brothers to change. But his brother's change would come at the hands of Joseph and through the hardship of Joseph. I want to share this because this is hard for us today, especially in <clears throat> 2022, <clears throat> excuse me, America, where we have so much given to us and so much that is available to us. 
we don't want to suffer for anyone but ourselves and those close to us. I'll say, look, I'll suffer, you know, you know, for my, for my, for my child, for my wife. Limited measure, but I'll suffer. I ain't suffering for y'all. I don't know y'all. I ain't suffering for y'all. See, sometimes God will cause you to go through hardship and suffering so it changes you and it blesses a whole lot of other people. And we don't want that. I want to be able to be, you know, I don't want this suffering so that so-and-so gets blessed. Well, maybe that's what God wants. Well, why didn't they have to go through this? Because that's not what God chose. Why didn't they have to experience this? You sent me down. This is what he could have said. He didn't. You sent me down 13 years in hardship so that these knuckleheads can be blessed? Really? God says, that's not your concern. But for you and I, we just want it good for us. And if I suffer, it's because I'm the primary beneficiary. And he gets on down and he says, so Joseph, he was the one who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brother came and bowed themselves before him with their faces to the ground. Verse 7, Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them, but he treated them like strangers and spoke roughly to them. Let me skip to verse 8. And Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. 20 years has passed, yes. But I'm sure with all that garb, that is the last thing they expected to see Joseph dressed in. You know how you see people. We do it all the time. You see people in a different environment in different dress and clothes, and you walk right by them. Yo, bro, you ain't know me? Oh, I didn't know that was you. I'm used to seeing you. So add to that 20 years and the one that you thought was dead is on the throne. So, of course, they didn't recognize him. His brothers had not changed. Joseph did. Joseph recognized or he saw them. They still couldn't see anything. Here were the ten guys who couldn't see that they needed to go down to Egypt to buy some food. Hadn't changed. And see, but their change was hinging on Joseph's change. Some things that God is calling to happen in your world is going to hinge on your obedience and your choosing to suffer. And so his brothers had to change. But understand what he was doing. When he saw his brothers, he realized that one wasn't with him. And as you read through the story, Joseph now, in order for them to be reunited and reconciled, Joseph now, <clears throat> God was using them, that Joseph's brothers had to be in a position where they recognized the severity of their sin and were put in a position to repent of it. See, up until now, they didn't have to worry about what they did to Joseph. He was far removed and he was gone. But now, in order for reuniting and reconciliation to happen, what had to happen? 
They had to face their sin. Please understand, it's not going away. You have to face your sin. Oh, it doesn't mean you pay for your The sin was already paid for in Christ. We just took communion because the sin was paid for by Christ. Oh, you may still have consequences, but the issue, understand there's no reconciliation with God. There is no reuniting with God until you have confessed and repented of sin. There's no reuniting and reconciling with other people until you confess and repent. They had to do that. It doesn't feel good. And I know we don't like to put ourselves in that position. But as I heard one brother say, show me one time in Scripture where God forgave where there was first no repentance. Where there was first no confession. You cannot be reconciled without repentance. And the brothers were about to be faced with that. As Joseph comes down and he sees them and he doesn't see Benjamin, he's wondering what happened to Benjamin and his father. And thus you get that he's being rough with them. Number one, he wants to see what kind of change has happened. He found out nothing's changed. Because they say, oh, no, we're, we're not spies. Because he says, you're spies. You came in here as a group of people, you're spies. No, we're not spies. We're good people. We're honest. Lie. Read the text. That's what they say. We're, we're honest. No, you're not. You're not. But that's changing. And so he keeps pushing them. And they say, look, 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 look. We're 10 brothers. I love this because remember, they were, they, were, they were all for themselves before. When you read what happened, they were all for themselves. They weren't thinking about anyone else. All of a sudden, we're 10 brothers under one dad. And our other brother is at home. And the other brother, he's telling the brother, doesn't even recognize him. I find this hilarious. And the other brother is no more. He's dead. No, he's standing in front of you. you just too dull to see it. And so now they start telling the truth and unifying out of fear. Fear do that to you, won't it? And they start to come together. God is at work to reunite and to reconcile this family, but they've got to first deal with their actions. And so they're coming together and they're dealing with all that. And so as Joseph begins to push, he says, I don't believe you. Tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to lock all y'all up but one and that one will go down and that he will tell, you know, bring back the other. Joseph was trying to find out if Benjamin was still alive, if these dudes were telling the truth because they were liars. Remember, he's helping them to change because he changed. And then he finally gets with them, and he, he just locks them all up. See, they begin to feel some of what it's like to be unjustly treated. He wasn't getting revenge because understand he was still helping them and had planned to help them. And when you read the story, read through chapter 42, you begin to see how he was, his emotions were at play because then they started to talk to themselves in their language thinking that the Egyptian 
who they thought was an Egyptian, couldn't understand them. And Joseph understands everything they're saying, and he starts to weep and cry because he realizes now there's some, um, there's some repentance. There's some sadness happening when they start arguing. See, we told y'all we messed up with Joseph. We shouldn't have done that. Ah, God is starting to break through. You realize it wasn't as cool as you thought it was. To reunite and reconcile, there must be repentance. Boy, they're now feeling, what is God going to do to us? Oh, my gosh, we're in trouble. And Joseph is hearing all this. And see, I'm glad, because if it was me, I would have been like, yeah, right. And y'all go, I'm going to let y'all sin in this. Y'all going to feel what I felt. That wasn't God's plan. His plan was to rescue them. And we, I could tell Joseph had already made, he had already made peace with that. Because the person who was bitter would have torn them apart. Reuniting and reconciliation. So the repentance is beginning. They're beginning to feel it. And then he tells them, no, tell you what, I'm going to keep one of y'all here. Send all of you back. Here's the test. I want to see if you care enough about the one who's here that y'all come back for him. Or are you just going to stay there and say, so bad for him. We out. See, they were having to change. Guess what that was just like? It was just like Joseph being left there by himself while all the others went back. God was working to bring them together, but they had to face and to deal with, are we going to care for one another or are we all for ourselves? I love the scenario that God puts them in because that's the scenarios he puts us in. Are you going to care for your brother or, or you know, or, 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 or is, hey, that's his problem. I ain't suffering for him. For that dude, no, nah, I'm good. Instead, what the Lord is saying, are you going to walk with him? Are you going to journey with her? Are you going to be there for her? Yeah, they messed up. Yeah, they messed up royally. Man, they messed up big. But God is up to something. What you going to do? And so finally, he gets them back on their way, sends them back, gives them food and grain, gives them, you know, gives them back their money because he cares about them. I love this. He wasn't setting them up. He cares about them. Joseph has changed. He's forgiven these dudes. And he gets them back, and they get back there. And see, here's, what's, here's the big thing. They begin to be afraid because they were thinking like them. In other words, they get back, they see the grain, they pull out, and it's the money that they had, and they're like, oh my goodness, they're going to think, we stole, we in trouble, we're a mess, because that's what they would do. But what Joseph was doing is helping them out, gave them free food in essence. They didn't know that. Told the father Jacob hadn't changed. He was like, no, nah, you're not taking my son. And so in essence, what he was willing to do, let Simeon stay there. He's done. He was willing to let Simeon die. Because y'all ain't taking Benjamin. 
And if that's the only way he's going to live, oh well. And this is how this part begins to end. Turn. He says in verse 38, sorry, verse 37, then Reuben said to his father, kill my two sons if I do not bring him back to you. Reuben, now the oldest, he thinks he has a good decision. He was like, man, your sons are not Benjamin. But put him in my hands and I will bring him back to you, which he couldn't say. He didn't know that. But he said, my son shall not go down with you, for his brother is dead, and he is the only one left. Wait a minute. I'm sorry, um, Jacob. I thought you had 12 sons. He's the only one left? So, uh, So Simeon there means nothing, and the other nine, nothing. You see, Jacob hadn't changed. But God was working on him and using Joseph, who had been through so much, to help them. Then he says at the end, but he said, my son shall not go down with you for his brother is dead and he is the only one left. If harm should happen to him on the journey that you are to make, you would bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to Sheol, to the grave. And it ends with, no, he's not going. But once again, God at work when humans mess up. And what he's telling you and I is, listen, there needs to be that change. You have to come face to face with your sin, whatever it is. And when you deal with it, God begins the change. See, only you know. Only I know those sins that are in our lives, those things that God is calling for you to release, to deal with, and to change, and to confess. Only you know. And he says, when you do, reconciliation and reuniting starts. And so he says to us, what is it going to be? Here's a couple of questions for you. What is it that God is calling for you to face and to deal with that you've been putting off? What is God calling you to face or to deal with that you've been putting off? And my other question is, are you going to be willing to suffer so that not only you change, but others can change because of your change? It's going to take some suffering. It's going to take some unjust treatment. It's going to take some, that's not fair. But God can change you. You've been listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast, and we trust that you've been blessed. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at solidword.org. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you next week.